Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. If you want to follow along, I'm going to read from Romans chapter 7, which is our main text today. And um, just a friendly reminder, there on DP Instagram story is the sermon card, as well as on the Bible app. If you search in under events, Dwelling Place Church, you can find the notes uh, that you can follow along or go back over this week. Romans chapter 7, and I'll begin in verse 15. Romans 7 and 15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good, but now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me. The one who wills to do good, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death, I thank God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. I want to teach a message today titled, Me Three. Me Three. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this time to gather. The name of your Holy Son, Jesus, and in and before your presence. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us, that you would reveal Jesus to us, that you would lead us into all truth, that Christ and His kingdom would be manifest. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1967, psychiatrist Thomas Holmes and Richard Rahe decided to study whether or not stress contributed to illness. They surveyed more than 5,000 medical patients and asked them to say whether they had experienced any of a series of 43 life events in the previous two years. Each event, each of the 43 that they asked them about were called a life change unit. 
L-C-U. And each one had a different weight for stress. The more events the patient added up, the higher they scored. And the higher the score and the larger the weight of each event, the more likely they found the patient was to become ill. It's what is called the stress scale. In fact, I think they have uh, a picture of it. But the number one thing they listed as a life event, the most stressful was the death of a spouse. They assigned a, a hundred as the value or the weight of it. Secondly, a divorce, marital separation from a mate, detention in jail, other institution, death of a close family member, a major personal injury or illness, a marriage, being fired at work, marital reconciliation with mate, retirement from work, major change in health or behavior of a family member, pregnancy, sexual difficulties, and it continues with each one from there having a smaller weight or weight value on this scale. What's interesting and what is a key to understand is many of these things, if not most all of them, list circumstances that you and I in our own ability cannot control. We cannot control. And why is this the key? Why is this important? Because what this means is, is in the context of this series of being stretched thin and stress and anxiety and depression specifically, it is not circumstances or life events or changes in life alone that would lead to depression. But an individual's thoughts, attitudes, responses, or lack of responses to such things that become a main contributing factor. In fact, let me define for you from the dictionary the words depressed and depression. According to dictionary.com, depressed means to be pressed down, to be situated lower than the general surface. Depression is defined as the state of being depressed. In psychiatry, it's a condition of general emotion, emotional dejection and withdrawal. Sadness, greater or more prolonged than that warranted by any objective reason. Now this brings us to our main text. Paul the Apostle, in writing to the church at Rome that he had never visited, but in Romans 7 and verse 15, he says, For what I am doing I do not understand, for what I will to do that I do not practice, but what I hate that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good, but now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. Notice that. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Two key words, let me go ahead and mention, we'll come back to. Perform and practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me. The one who wills to do good, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law on my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. 
Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. I want to highlight in that passage where he says in Romans seven twenty two, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me, everybody say me, into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Let me talk first about bringing me. When we talk about bringing me that he says here, we got to ask the question, who is me? So many people and actually so many followers of Jesus or church attendees don't have a biblical or a holistic understanding of the makeup of mankind. From the beginning, the book of Genesis, which means the book of beginning, God makes it clear how He formed you and I. He makes it clear the uniqueness of you and I that's different than animals and the other aspects of His creation. The Bible says that God took of the dust and He formed a clay vessel. He formed what we know as our body. And then He breathed the the ruach, the spirit into that body and then it said mankind became a living soul, nafish. You and I have a body, we have a soul, and we're a spirit. This is the biblical understanding of the makeup of mankind. Spirit, soul, and body. So often, you know, we'll be talking to someone and they're tell- talking about something going on in their life or, you know, they went to a restaurant and it's one of their favorites. They say, oh, 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 me too. That, that's mine too. But I, I don't hear too many people often when they talk say, me, me three. Me three. What do you mean three? Oh, you don't know that I'm, you know, we talk about God as three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And being made in His image, I'm a spirit, I have a soul, and I have a body. Me three. Me three. In fact, my spirit, soul, and body love some kizzy cakes. If you don't know about kizzy cakes, this is your season to find out. My goodness, key lime pie, kizzy cakes, man, does my spirit, soul, and body good for the glory of God. So you got to have a holistic, a biblical understanding of how God created you. And here in this text where Paul says, Inward man. Here, inward man is referring to your spirit. It's referring to the spirit. Now, Paul is referring to his experience after meeting Christ. After meeting Christ. How do we know this? Because in Ephesians 2, he says that we were all at one time when we were born and living in sin, we were by nature children of wrath. But here he says, his nature, his inward person, his inward man, his spirit delights in the law of God. Well, a child of wrath doesn't delight in the law of God. So here, inward man is referring to his spirit, our spirit. Then he says, the law of God in the inner man. 
He says his inner man, his spirit, delights in the law of God. Why is that? Because listen, when he was born again, he was recreated in Christ and recreated in the image of God. This is the power of the rebirth. This is the power of what Jesus called being born again. His spirit got recreated. In fact, Paul in another place in Ephesians 4 and 24 says that our spirit when we get born again is created according to God in His likeness. Watch this. In true righteousness and holiness. Not just in outward righteousness and holiness that the Pharisees and the religious had that had no power, but we are created in an inner, inner righteousness and holiness through the new birth. And that's why Paul says that his inner man, his spirit, delights to do God's will, delights in God's law. That here when he talks about the law, you think about the Ten Commandments. That now, Paul as a born again follower of Jesus, his spirit wants to put no other God before the one true God. His spirit wants to live free of lying and covetousness. His spirit wants to, to live honoring the holy name of God. His spirit wants to live free of murder and these things. His inner man delights in the law of God because of the new birth. He now, in the new covenant, he delights in the New Testament law, which is Christ. He's to be conformed. He's been made in Jesus' image. But then he mentions... Something else. He says, my inner man delights in the will of God, the law of God. But then he says, there's this other law. There's this other principle. He calls it the law of sin. And let's talk for a moment about the law of sin and our members. Did you know that members are a part of your body? Your arm, come on, shake that arm. Most of you look awake, but there might be a few, not... Your arm is a member of your body. Your leg, come on, jiggle that thing a little bit. Your leg is a member of your body. Paul says there is this principle called the law of sin and it is related to our members or our body. Listen, sin has had such an effect that it has affected our bodies and created this law of sin within the members of our body. So, Paul says, as a child of God, one who has been born again, my inner man that was born again, that's created righteous and holy, delights to do God's will, delights in the law of God. But there's this other law, this other principle that is stemming from the members of my body. And then he speaks about the law of his mind. He says, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. What is the law of my mind? What is the law of our mind. The law of the mind is the principle of the mind that you and I have been given the ability of choice 
to decide what we think upon. You and I, listen, we don't have the ability to dictate every thought that ever comes into our mind because there is a kingdom of Satan and demons and their wiles and and their weapons is to send thoughts to our mind and try to get you to convince yourself or believe that those thoughts are yours. Some of you, the reason you're so downcast today is even though we've said it many times, you've not yet really heard it and got it, that everything that hits your mind is not your thought. And the devil's got you all downcast and feeling bad because you're believing just because it's hit your mind that you think that that's your thought. That, not every thought that hits your mind is your thought. But the law of the mind is you have the ability and the choice to decide not every thought that hits your mind, but what thoughts you will think upon. The law of my mind, Paul says, is what he says in Colossians 3. We, you, I have the choice to decide what we set our mind upon. You and I have the principle called, he calls here the law of mind, to choose what we focus on. In Romans 6.11, he says that you and I, when it comes to the law of mind, have the ability, when it comes to the mind, to choose what we consider. You think back to the Old Testament. God sent 12 spies into the promised land. Ten chose to consider the opponent, the circumstances. Two, who were celebrated as people of trust in God, chose to consider the greatness of their God. You and I, when it comes to the law of the mind, choose, watch this, what we meditate on. Philippians 4.8, Paul said, think upon these things. Scripture wouldn't tell us to think upon these things if you and I didn't have the law of the mind, the ability to dictate and choose what we meditate on. So the law of God in the inner man, the law of sin in the members of our body, then the law of our mind. Here you see me three. You see in one passage, Paul talks about this tension that you and I experience. Me three. He says in verse 22, the I there he uses is regarding the inner man, his spirit. In verse 23, the my there is talking about his mind, his soul. And then in verse 23, he uses my again, but that my he's talking about his members or his body. Here in one passage, he talks about me three. Spirit, mind, soul, and body. But then he says, bringing me into captivity. Into captivity. The word captivity in the language that Paul wrote in the Greek language, Koinea, Greek, it means to lead away captive. It means to capture one's mind and to bring one into captivity. What's he saying? He's saying, I delight in the law of God according to the inner, inward man, according to my 
recreated born again spirit but I see another law in the members of my body warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity who's the me that gets brought into captivity the me is the core of who you are your spirit your inward person you remember the definition of depressed it means pressed down. It means situated lower than the general surface. It means a condition of general emotional dejection and withdrawal and sadness. What happens, Paul says, is that when this other principle called the law of sin that's in the members of my body gets a hold of the law of my mind, it brings me, my spirit, to be pressed down. My spirit no longer is, I'm not able to engage the moment and circumstances in the spirit. And therefore, you and I, when our soul withdraws from circumstances and situations, when we won't face and address things that need to be addressed and our soul withdraws, listen, it keeps our spirit bound. When our spirit's desire that wants to do God's will, that wants to walk and experience God's will, when our soul withdraws from dealing with what God needs to deal with in our life and circumstances, when our soul withdraws and we don't want to face it, we don't want to deal with it, what happens is... Our spirit's desires is not able to be performed. Is that not what Paul was wrestling with? He says, look, my inner man, my spirit delights to do God's will. But I don't know how to perform that good. I, I can't figure out how to practice and perform that good that my spirit wants to do. Our spirit... My spirit, your spirit, if you're born again, is not able to be fully engaged in our momentary or daily experience of life each day when our soul refuses to face things that God is asking and putting before us. And Paul says, I, I, I have this desire to do God's will in my spirit, but I don't know how to perform... What is good? I, I can't find how to perform it. And he, because he grew up under the old covenant and was a Pharisee of Pharisees, he thought that he needed to turn his mind to the old covenant into what's called law living as the way to perform the desires that God gave him through the new birth in his spirit. And he said, no, no, no. He's going to tell us that's not the way. That actually brings us more into captivity. That actually leads to more anxiety and frustration. See, your spirit becomes pressed down and pushed lower than God created and desires for you to experience each moment throughout each day when this process we're talking about happens, when your soul withdraws from dealing with dysfunctions, areas that are out of line, out of order in your life, 
facing circumstances or challenges. This is what Proverbs refers to in Proverbs 17.22. It says, a broken spirit dries the bones. What it means is, Proverbs refers to it as a broken spirit. The spirit gets depressed down and therefore your spirit is not able to engage the use of your body. You're going through life experiencing circumstances not walking in the spirit. It's just the phrase of Scripture. Then Proverbs 15.13 says, By sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Wow, that sounds like a LCU. A what? A life change unit. Think about it. Sorrow of the heart. Top of the list, death of a loved one. Second, divorce. That sounds like sorrow. And notice Proverbs says, Sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. In a lack of ability, sometimes watch, it's a lack of willingness to address and face it. But oftentimes, listen to me, it's not a lack of willingness to address or face it. It's a lack of know-how. Our soul doesn't know how to deal with a circumstance we've never faced before. Are you kidding me? Never faced the death of a loved one. Never faced a transition to a job like this. Never faced taking on a financial mortgage this big. Never faced this specific issue. So by sorrow of heart, the spirit is broken. How to face it, how to deal with it in a way that we don't withdraw from it. So here we see that first, if we don't know how to address it, your inner man, what Scripture calls your spirit, will be pressed down, will not be fully engaged, and therefore anxiety can increase the stress can continue to stay and it can make you more vulnerable to depression. Your spirit being pressed down. Your spirit, in a sense, being broken. The other way here we see is this happens when the soul, the mind, will, and emotions is not aligned with our spirit's desires. Again, the soul is the mind, your mind, will, and emotions. And when our soul has become aligned with the law of sin's desires that stem from the members of our body, the spirit, your inner person, gets pressed down. Let me put it this way. When your mind, when my mind, when our mind becomes set on fleshly, bodily, temporal desires that do not serve the best interest of our spirit, our God, our King, other people, nor our future, we then are vulnerable to forms of depression. You say, why is this so devastating? Why is this pressing so serious? Well, in Genesis 1.26, when you go back to God's original intent on why He created all this, in Genesis 1.26 it says, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over. Everybody say dominion. God created, notice it's them, it's male and female, He created them. One mankind, one human race, and He created them only male and female, two possible genders. One race, humankind, two genders, male and female. And He created us for dominion. 
Dominion. Dominion. Not depressed under. Not captive under. Dominion over. The issue is, is sin and the fall happened. And our first forefathers, forefather Adam and his wife Eve, they chose to depart from trust and dependence and obedience on God. And that is what's called lawlessness and sin. And because of that sin and the fall, we now have the experience we do. Where we don't feel like we have dominion. We feel vulnerable. We feel defeated. So many things happen in life now that we can't control. We feel victims. But listen, this is why when Jesus and John, well, John the Baptist and Jesus showed up, they said, hey, I got good news. What was lost, the kingdom, the ability to have dominion, not be depressed under, not captive under, the good news is now the kingdom is available through Jesus. Listen, what we lost, amen, what we lost as mankind through our sin, Christ came to restore. This is why in the New Testament, Paul uses the phrase, in Him, in Christ, in whom, in Christ, over 60 plus times. Meaning, in Christ now, there is a type of dominion available that you and I all lost. It's not dominion, listen, over every circumstance. There's now a dominion available in Christ, like Paul says, that though I'm hit with bricks and stones and shipwreck, though I experience suffering and hardships and all these things because I'm in Him, I'm more than a conqueror. What it's saying is, is that I can go through a lot and face a lot physically and circumstantially, but my spirit is now in union and joined to Jesus Christ. And now through Christ, I don't have to stay depressed under. I don't have to stay captive to, but I can walk through it trusting in Jesus Christ to keep me. And His joy becomes my joy and the joy of the Lord becomes my strength comes my strength so listen as a child of God you and I who have experienced a new birth and regeneration born again when we don't feel that sense of dominion that sense that in Christ we're more than a conquerors that we can choose what we think about that, that we have the ability through Christ to live out the desires of our spirit and to do and to perform the will of God, when we don't feel that sense of dominion and thriving in Christ, listen, we feel, even if it's subtle, a slight form of being depressed. Our spirit is getting pressed down from doing what the New Testament calls walking in the spirit, walking in Christ, walking in Him. And this leads us to 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4. Paul says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. Someone say mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. 
bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now here's the question for you and I. Who is to bring every thought into captivity in your life? You are. I am in my life. But what part of me three? Your spirit is to bring every thought captive. Your inner man. Your inner person. Your inner humanity. Your spirit. The core of who you are. But when we don't, and we don't walk in the spirit, you become more vulnerable for those thoughts that actually come from the enemy or come from residue from the old life that you used to have but don't come from who God made you now. You start identifying them with them and letting them stay. And your inner spirit, your recreated born-again spirit, doesn't take those thoughts captive. But you begin to meditate on the wrong things. You begin to focus on the wrong things. You begin to think about the wrong things. And here he mentions strongholds can happen. And strongholds are mental castles. That's the the picture that he's using in the Greek. A stronghold is a castle. It's a mental castle that brings and keeps your spirit captive. Unable to perform the real you, your spirit's desires in the related area. Strongholds are mental castles that keep your spirit's desires to do God's will in an area from being able to be performed in that area. Now for some of us, because I've been there, the first step in moving forward in what we're talking about today is letting God go free from our false accusations. Some of us, to move forward, we got to let go of these false accusations we're harboring or believing or holding against God. Let me explain what some of these sound like. God doesn't care. And the reason I know God doesn't care, because if God cared, I would no longer be feeling this sense of being depressed. This sense of being in a position lower than that sense of having ability and being able to make choices, that sense of dominion that's available now through Christ. For some of you, the false accusations sound like God must not want me to be delivered. Because if He wanted me to be delivered, He would have delivered me. Listen, these are false accusations. Because see, what happens, if you saw in the text there in 2 Corinthians 10, is when strongholds get built in the mind, There has been arguments that have been established and those arguments argue against the true knowledge of God and the true knowledge of how God has created life to work. And because we have wrong arguments against who God is and the way God has designed this thing to work, we stay bound. It's not that God doesn't want you free. It's not that God doesn't want you walking in the joy of the Holy Spirit. It's not that God doesn't have peace that can surpass circumstances in your own understanding. He does. But listen, if our stress, anxiety, or depression is related to our consistent negative 
wrong patterns of thinking, then God cannot on His own just take it away. Paul said there's the law of the mind. The law of the mind is God doesn't take over your mind and dictate your thoughts for you. The law of the mind is God gave you and I as humans the ability to choose what we're going to focus on, what we're going to meditate on, what we're going to think upon, what we're going to set our mind upon. And because God gave us the law of of the mind, He's not going to override what He's already determined and given us the law of choice. So God cannot just take it away when we keep engaging in wrong patterns of thinking. You have to hear in the name of Jesus the proclamation that those are lies that you are believing, that you've not been given ability to make a choice. Those are lies that you are a victim, that you have no ability. I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, if you're willing to be free, God's got the power and ability for you to walk in that freedom. But there's the law of the mind, the choice. Now let's look at it again. So first, bringing me. And then he says in Romans 7, 24, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? So there's the possibility of bringing me, bringing our inner man, our spirit into captivity to the law of sin, the desires of our body when we choose to focus on the temporary lust and desires of the body instead of the desires of our spirit that God gave us when we were born again, bringing me. But then he cries out in this experience, who will deliver me from this body of death? Because if you understand the way God's designed it, You and I, if we still want to be on this earth, we need that body. The problem is, is the body you and I have has been affected by sin and now there's this principle, this law of sin that stems from the members of our body because of sin's effect on it. And so Paul begins to cry out, you ever been there? Who will deliver me from this body then? God, I'm trapped in this body. I'm trapped in this war. Who will deliver me from this body of death? He says, oh, I thank God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So here's Paul dealing again, how to perform what is good. He says, I I don't find it. I don't find it. How to perform it? I can't find it. You know why he couldn't find it? Because he grew up in religion that always said what you need in order to find it, you got to look outward. And he's about to help us out. Because in the new covenant, what you're looking for, the ability to perform your spirit's desires that God gave you through the new world, you can't find it outward. The New Testament's got a mystery to it. And, and, and it's inward, and we're going to talk about it. But he says in Romans 8, 2, he answers the question, who will deliver me from this body? He says, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. Let me talk about delivering me for a minute. See, through the new birth, you and I have been made free. 
This is what's called the law of the new nature. In fact, in Galatians 6, 15 and 16, Paul said it's not circumcision. It's not the outward. It's not whether you dress a certain way that matters in the new covenant. It's not the outward circumcision. You know, it's not tattoos or lack of tattoos that matter. He says what matters, what avails much is being made a new creation. And he says as many as walk according to this new rule will experience the peace of God. Listen, the new nature is a new rule. This is why when you and I lose the awareness of what God created us to experience in Christ this sense of dominion, not dominion over controlling circumstances, but that through them all we're still more than a conqueror. I still have the law of choice that I can set my mind on the goodness of God. I still have the ability to dictate how I will respond to circumstances I can't control. The new birth, the new nature, regeneration. According to this rule. Listen, this is one of the weapons of God that are mighty. Amen. One of the weapons that are, that, of God that's mighty is He's given us this new ability, this new nature, this new law, the law of the new nature. But the exhortation of Scripture is to learn to stand and walk yes. in the Spirit. So look at this, in Galatians 5.1, Paul says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ Jesus has made us free. Listen, we weren't just set free, we were made free. Now some of you, this is new to you, and that's why you need to get in growth phases. Because it's only in growth phases you can get every bit of this type of teaching that's needed. Without it, you'll never walk. Listen to me. Believers cannot walk in the new covenant without getting in context that goes over this stuff in depth. Can't do it. Not going to happen. But listen, we weren't just set free, we were made free. If I go to a pig pen out in, in East or North Georgia and I set the pigs free, they're set free, but the problem is they're still a pig. And because they're still a pig, even though they're set free, they're going to find themselves back in the pig pen rolling around in the slop again. Why? Because they're still a pig. The gospel and the new covenant didn't just set us free. It made us free. Made us free. You and I were created in the image of Christ. We were created in freedom. So now Paul exhorts us because we were created free to learn how to stand and to walk in the freedom we were created for. He says in Galatians 5.16, I say then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh here is what we saw in our main text, what he calls the law of sin that stem from the members of your body. Then in verse 25 he says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So notice, Paul when he cries out, Who's going to deliver me from this body where there's this law, this principle of sin, this principle of lust, this principle that's warring and fighting against this new nature, this, this new law that God's given me in my spirit, my spirit's desires that delights to do God's will. Who's going to deliver me from this body that's wrestling and fighting against that new nature? He says, oh, it's the law of the Spirit in Christ Jesus. That's how. You know why it's called the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus? Because it's the only way to experience the life in Christ that God purchased for you. It's the only way. In fact, in Romans 8.13, notice what Paul says. He says, come on, man. 
He says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, someone say by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So listen, bringing me, secondly, delivering me, and lastly, by the Spirit in me. How are we going to experience the deliverance from the law of sin that's in the members of our body? How are you and I going to experience victory and liberty over fleshly lust and temporal lust and pleasures? Paul says, it's by the Spirit in you. It's by the Spirit in me. It's by the Spirit in us. So when it comes to the Holy Spirit, you need to understand the ministry of Jesus Christ. Number one, the Holy Spirit works on the basis of the Word of God. Some people say, well, I haven't had much experience with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Well, listen, the more you rightly have understood and received the Word of God, the more you are in a position to receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works on the basis of the Word of God. You go back into Genesis... In creation, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the earth. But there was still void. You ever felt like there's void places in your life? But then God spoke, and then the Spirit performed. See, this goes back to the law of the mind again. It's easy not to believe in Jesus if you use the law of your mind and choose not to face to face the declarations and the claims of Jesus Christ but why don't you get into scripture and face Jesus' claims see it's easy not to believe if you don't get around what God uses to bring people to believe if you stay away from the Word of God, it's, it's easy to not believe and, and experience the ministry and God's weapon, one of the weapons of our warfare, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. See, listen, people, listen up, people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge of God's Word. And because God gave you the law of mind, I can't read the Word of God for you. I can't make a choice for you to push temporal things away and to get into God's Word every day to grow in understanding what it actually says. For some of you, that means what it actually says and not the, the church or the denomination or the type of faith you grew up in. But what does it actually say? That's the first part. Then secondly, what does it actually mean? Listen, I've had times in my life due to stress, anxiety, and depression where it was extremely hard. It seemed about impossible to read the Word of God. But what do you do? Listen. You listen to it. I play it in my room. I I would play it in my room. Couldn't sleep anyway. So who cares you hear something? I was already battling, wrestling with the enemy's accusations and torments and thoughts, I put on the Word of God. Just let it speak. In the car, I put on the Word of God. You struggle reading? Oh, I can't focus. 
then put it on. Let your ears. I don't think it's by coincidence that they say in life, and I've been in that vulnerable place of our existence of someone at the last moments of breath before they leave their body and pass away. But why they say that that the ears, the hearing, is one of the last functions that goes. Listen, you're still here. You can still hear. Put on the Word of God. So the Holy Spirit works on the basis of the Word of God, but then the Holy Spirit works with the basis of trust in the God of the Word. The Holy Spirit works based on your trust in the God that this Word is talking about. This book is testifying to a living King who right now is more filled with life than me who's standing before you talking to you. And He is seated in victory at the right hand of the Father right now. And the Holy Spirit works on our trust. In the God of the Word. And the Holy Spirit will lead us to experience what we allow Him to lead us to believe. See, the Holy Spirit's given to create faith and trust in us for Jesus whom we can't see. And to the level you'll let the Holy Spirit lead you to trust and believe in Him who you cannot see, though believing you love, you'll experience. You'll experience it. And then the Holy Spirit works within the basis of our speaking. Paul ties being filled and staying filled with the Holy Spirit. He ties it to our mouth. In Ephesians 5, 15 and 20, right before that, he says, and be continuously. That means keep continually being filled. I mean, I wish in the economy right now that if I went to fill up my gas tank just one time, it stayed filled the whole time. But that ain't the fact, right? You got to keep going and get, get it filled up. Well, that's what he says. you got to keep continually being filled with the Spirit. And he says how? Speaking. Speaking to one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says in singing and being grateful and thanksgiving. He ties it to that. See, listen, the ability provided by the Father in Christ through the ministry of the Holy Spirit is one of the powerful weapons of our warfare. And it's mighty in God. It's mighty in God to pulling down strongholds. It's mighty in God to casting down arguments that argue against the true knowledge of God and the true knowledge of Jesus Christ, the living Word. Oh, He says... By the Spirit, by the law, by this new principle, by the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. This is the way to experience the life that is available for us in Christ Jesus in the new covenant. It's by the Spirit. But the Spirit works on basis of the Word. Are you in the Word? How much are you in the Word? The level you're in the Word and know the Word and understand the Word is to the level you'll walk aware, depending on the Spirit who will enable you to live the life that Jesus had His back ripped open, shed His blood, had His 
brow pierced for you to experience. And listen, this is what Paul called the mystery. Colossians 1.27, he said to them, that's them's you and I, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What is the mystery? Here's the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know what glory is? You know the first time it talks about glory and it ties glory to? is when He created mankind. He said He crowned Adam and Eve with glory. That glory represented dominion. And now God has given that dominion, that glory to Jesus. But that's why Paul says, you got to understand, you're in Christ. You are in Him. You're in the one that God's given the glory, the dominion to. And here's the mystery. You're not only just in Him, He's in you. He said the mystery is Christ in you. Do you have hope? That you won't live life with your spirit being depressed, weighed down, not able to engage. Where your mind is more focused and aligned with temporal, bodily, lustful, worldly desires than the desires of your spirit to live and experience the will of God. Do you have hope for glory? Listen, the hope for that glory is Christ in you. So many people, like Paul, they can't figure out how to perform what it is they want to do. It's because they're looking for an outside answer. And I'm trying to tell you that the good news in the New Testament is just no longer an outside answer. That God will use outside means, but you've got to see that it's an inward answer using outward means to get you to be aware and to trust the inward means of Christ in you. It's the law of the Spirit in you that will lift you up and though you carry around in your body those desires, though you carry around in your body what He calls sinful passions and pleasures and the law of sin, you experience the deliverance that's available through Jesus Christ and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You experience a greater law than the weight of your body. It is the law of the liberty of the sons and daughters of God. It is the law the spirit of life in Christ Jesus it is the reality of Christ in you he's your hope that though you're hard pressed you won't be depressed that though you have circumstances you never would have signed up for you never would have said oh please let me walk through that but you'll stand fast in the liberty and the joy of the Lord will be your strength and you'll keep the good praises of God in your mouth Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.